I'm Eileen Ray McCann for Circle of Blue, and here's What's Up With Water, your need-to-know news of the world's water. The majority of Earth's fastest-growing cities face critical disruption from climate change. That's according to a risk analysis released last week. Researchers at the global risk and strategic consulting firm Verisk Maplecroft found that 84 of the 100 fastest-growing cities are at extreme risk over the next 30 years due to the effects of a warming world. One analyst warned that weather hazards and rising sea levels could underpin a whole host of secondary impacts and social issues, such as poverty, violence, migration, and resource insecurity. Verisk Maplecroft used its own index of climate change vulnerability and the United Nations projections for urban population growth. It found that rapid population growth multiplied risk in lower-income cities with poor public infrastructure and inadequate disaster response mechanisms. About three-quarters of the fastest-growing cities are in Africa and include 15 of the continent's capital cities and many of its commercial hubs. Kinshasa, for example, has a population of about 13 million people. By 2035, that number is expected to double. The head of the UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction, Mami Mizutore, told Reuters news service that rapid and spontaneous urbanization – such as slums, increases the risk of disaster in many developing cities. She said that local authorities should prevent informal settlements in dangerous areas of cities while giving aid to those struggling in the rural areas so they don't have to leave their farms and seek work in the cities. Unless we tackle the development issue as a whole, she said, the urbanization that is becoming a risk driver is not going to stop. Luanda, whose population surged after the Angolan Civil War, has built alternative settlements with running water, sanitation, and power. But its housing minister said Luanda cannot keep up with demand due to financial limitations, while it also struggles with high heat and water shortages. African cities are not the only vulnerable locations. A number of large Asian cities also rank high on the list, which highlights the economic effects of climate change on major emerging markets. The analysts used international monetary fund projections to estimate the gross domestic product at risk in cities over the next five years. The ten cities rated as extreme economic risk were led by the capital cities of Jakarta, Indonesia, and Manila in the Philippines. Companies operating in and near these cities will have to cope with the direct effects of climate change, according to the analysis. That ranges from the destruction of infrastructure and housing to health risks related to rising temperatures. Indirect effects on economies could include ecosystem collapse, agricultural failure, and overall economic instability. The researchers had advice for companies doing business in developing world megacities, protect assets and personnel by building resilience to climate shocks, and planning for such changes. Governments also have a role. While the top priority is often immediate disaster response, policy must reflect a longer view. An analyst at Verisk Maplecroft told Reuters, in an ideal world, you would be putting things in place that provide immediate relief, 
but are sustainable for the next 20 to 30 years and incorporate an element of climate change adaptation. But, he noted, where the foresight or means to do that are lacking, it's a vicious cycle. In a dry and mountainous region of Central Asia, the Fergana Valley spreads across the countries of Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Tajikistan. Nearly a quarter of Central Asia's population lives there, drawn by the opportunity of fertile farmland. In the heart of the valley flows the Sir Darya, whose waters nourish the land. The river is at the center of rising tensions as temperatures increase and demand outstrips supply. The glaciers feeding the river are shrinking at an unprecedented rate, melting at four times the global average. Swiss scientists say that in the next three decades, most of the glaciers will be gone. This will intensify water shortages across the region, especially during the summer months when the river flow depends on glacial melt. Summertime is already a season of struggle over water at the convoluted and contentious borders of Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Tajikistan, where there are daily conflicts between villages. People have killed one another over irrigation water, which is sometimes too feeble a stream to reach their fields. A canal network runs across the Fergana Valley. It's a series of aging channels built when the Soviets controlled the region and directed water from the rivers to create agricultural zones. This water diversion, along with inefficient infrastructure and general overuse, has not only inflamed tensions, but has changed the ecosystem. The Sir Daria and a sister river, the Amu Daria, drain into the Aral Sea, which lost about 75% of its volume in the last 60 years. A much smaller, saltier Aral Sea is less able to moderate temperatures, resulting in the desertification of the surrounding region. This summer, Kyrgyzstan endured its worst drought in 23 years. Farmers fear another is taking hold. The World Bank says that up to half of Kyrgyzstan could experience desertification by the end of this century, as the region suffers some of the most intense warming on Earth. A fortified fence between Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan helps to hem in disputes, but Kyrgyzstan's open border with Tajikistan is often rife with conflict. Twice this past summer, armed guards had to quash friction between villages on either side of the border. On one occasion, hostages were taken, and in the other, a hundred men fought over the installation of a water pump. A local resident told Reuters News Service, We fight over pastures and water. That is just what life is like here. He added, If there are any further water shortages, then there will be even greater struggles. God knows what might happen. Officials from Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan regularly meet to discuss shared water management, but critics say that their pledges to cooperate have yet to materialize. In the United States, last week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released its latest data on Legionnaire's disease. Legionnaire's disease is a pneumonia-like illness and the deadliest waterborne disease in the United States. 
It kills about 1 in 11 people that it sickens. The report is the first detailed one of its kind and covers the years of 2014 and 2015. There were about 5,000 cases of Legionnaire's disease in 2014 and about 6,000 in 2015. This reflects a rapid rise in the rate of reported cases, which has increased four and a half times since 2000. Provisional data for this year show a further increase to some 7,000 cases. The CDC's report offers details that could help public health officials understand the rise of a disease unknown four decades ago. The report documents the states with the most cases, the types of people most susceptible to the illness, where it was contracted, and the number of fatalities. According to the report, most of the Legionnaires' cases came from the Great Lakes region and mid-Atlantic states such as Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. It most commonly struck people over the age of 50 and was most often contracted during the summer or fall. The head of the CDC's Legionella team, Dr. Laura Cooley, told Circle of Blue that the geographic areas are of interest. There's more to learn about why there are differences, she said. Do diagnoses differ, or are there differences in the environment? Although the average death rate for Legionnaire's disease is 1 in 11, it was much higher for those contracting the illness in a hospital or other health care facility. There, the death rate was almost 1 in 4. Hospitals have complex plumbing systems, which are a risk factor for Legionella bacteria growth. Also, people in healthcare settings may already be ill or have weakened immune systems, making them more vulnerable to the disease. Dr. Cooley cautioned that Legionnaires' fatalities could be even higher than reported because documentation is imprecise. A state or local health department might report a case to the CDC, but not follow up with the outcome, which does not have the same reporting requirements as noting the onset of the illness. And that's What's Up With Water. We'd like to share what's up where you are. Tweet us with your water news at Circle of Blue hashtag What's Up With Water.